Crossbridge family scattered through the city here and in other states and even around the world. You've heard it said so well that grace does not oppose effort. Grace opposes earning. And you know all too well that uh, we only stand on the recipient end of God's goodness, His love, and His grace. And yet, that doesn't uh, discount the effort that we put forward to serve Him and to love others. That's exactly what each and every one of you has done. We're so incredibly proud of you that collectively, the collaboration among all our Crossbridge churches has made a great impact, an imprint in the life of our city. Socially, culturally, you know, spiritually, you've gone forth with great impetus. And we are humbled and so proud of seeing the uh, effort that you've put forward to uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus, to shine the light of Christ in dark places, and to meet the need of the disenfranchised and the broken here in our city and in other states and even around the world. So we want to continue to spur you on and charge you to obediently and joyfully throw yourself wholeheartedly into God's hands and to invest, continuously to invest in the work of the gospel through the ministry of Crossbridge Church here until we see God's kingdom come to settle on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the link below. You can give to uh, your campus, uh, each of your own campuses, and let's continue to set forth and propel uh, with a great deal of strength and passion and zeal the ministry and the work that God has entrusted us. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor unto Him is not in vain. Your service to Him, your love to each other, and to, and to the least of these in our city will never come back void. So continue on. Let's press on. Let's trust God for all He has for us. Let me pray. Father in heaven, the gold is yours. The silver is yours. All that we see, the very breath of life is yours. Father, you've poured it so uh, lavishly on us, undeserving. And so the posture, the response of our lives entirely is to deposit at your feet our time, our talents, our treasure, where we return to you that which is already yours to begin with. So, Father, use it for your glory and for your church's joy. Pray this, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
Well, welcome, church. If you have your Bibles uh, with you, turn with me, if you will, from Jonah chapter 1, the last verse. We read it last week, 17. And we're going to go ahead and read all the way through chapter 2. This is what God's Word says to us today. It says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your ways and all your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me. Take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up from the life of the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. You know, when I was a kid, I, I remember going to the Dade County Youth Fair with my parents, and uh, I don't know what happened or how it happened, but I got lost. I remember them telling me, son, don't you run off without our permission. And then all of a sudden, you can just imagine, I became paralyzed when I couldn't find them. I, I became scared out of my mind at the thought of never seeing them again. I even yelled out for them, Mom, Dad, where are you? And so I, 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 I tried to retrace, uh, retrace my steps in the journey as, as minutes of separation seemed like hours between attractions and rides, and, and I was lost. Church, have you ever been lost? Have you ever been in a situation where you're so low, you just can't pick yourself back up? So low that, that you can't even navigate your way out. Your friends try to help you. Your loved ones try to help you. That doesn't work. Have you ever been lost, lost? You know, there's some situations where we disobey God. And we develop the situation to the point where we can't see any way out. But it's in those moments, just like I cried out to my mom and my dad, and just like Jonah cries out to God here in verse 2 in his distress, we need to remember this promise that God loves to rescue us from impossible situations. Now, I can already hear some of you saying, well, if that's true. You know, it's been 20 years and I'm still in the pit. What's up with that? Well, today we are in episode 5 in our series, All in the Same Boat. And in the text today, Jonah is going to teach us the only thing we can do when we find ourselves in the belly of the beast, and that is to pray. God loves to answer our cries when we are in distress. But, and here's the struggle, sometimes God answers in stages, not all of which are comfortable. Two stages I want to bring out today, so you all better write this down. Stage one, problems turn into provisions. Now, in this story, we already know that instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah decides to go to Tarshish. Nineveh was 500 miles from where he was. 
And where Jonah ran away from where God told him to go was 2,500 miles. I heard a preacher say it like this this week. Sometimes we got to work harder to disobey God than just doing what he told us to do in the first place. Jonah goes down to Joppa, disobeys God. Jonah goes down on the boat, falls asleep, disobeys God. Sailors ask him all kinds of questions. We learned about that last week, right? They throw him overboard at his request. The big old fish that God provides here swallows him up and Jonah continues to descend and descend and go down in disobedience, teaching us a couple things about this stage. Here's the first thing. God will answer our cries in order to fill us with his mercy. Notice what he says in verse 8. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. The answer to Jonah's prayer is having the right effect or beginning to have the right effect in his life. Jonah says, I don't know how you can forsake God, he reasons, and, and, and maintain vain ideologies. Hold on and cling on to idols. He's beginning to understand that if you leave the, leave the Lord, you leave mercy. Because the only reason that God will answer us in mercy is to make us merciful. God is trying to teach Jonah by showing him mercy so that he can learn something about mercy in order to show mercy to the Ninevites in the text. He decides not to go to Nineveh, right? He's telling God that there's something about those people that are not worth saving and telling a merciful God, I don't think they deserve mercy. And so God has to do something to get his attention. He has to do something to change his heart, to change his perspective. And here's the best part. Even in Jonah's disobedience, God still wants to hear from him. You know, sometimes when we are in our own disobedience and we disobey God, we get into this moment where, yeah, I don't think God wants to hear from me. But let me tell you something. Nothing could be furthest from the truth. God still wants to hear from you. Now, I didn't understand that concept until I had children of my own. Right? I have four kids, and sometimes I get so mad at them. I get so angry with them. I get so disappointed with them that I end up disciplining them, right? But I, listen, I still want to hear about their day. I still pull up in their room or in the yard or wherever they are because I love them. Even though they're disobedient trolls sometimes, I still want to hear about their day. I love them. And even though you're disobedient, I'm here to tell you, God wants to hear from you. Even though you got yourself in the pit, and you're mad, and you got questions, and you want to square up on God, God still wants to hear from you. And so God provides a great fish, the text tells us. Sea monster, whale, whatever. Big enough to swallow up Jonah. Now, I don't think that Jonah saw this as a provision at first. I think he saw this as a problem. Right? He spends the first seven verses complaining. I got seaweed going on, wrapped around my head. God, waves just was, you know, just drowning me. I'm drowning. He saw this as a problem. Hey, let me ask you something. Has God ever provided for you a rescue from a situation created by your own disobedience? But it wasn't what you expected. I mean, you wanted it not, but God brought you a little old tram, right? You prayed to God, God, get me out of this situation. God, if you'll just be with me today. And he gets you out. And then all of a sudden, across the journey of your life, you start telling yourself, you know what? I don't think I like this little boat. I don't think I like the way it smells inside of this whale. 
For some of us, it's interesting, we start out serving God, and we don't care who notices us, but somewhere along the journey, we start getting picky and come to all kinds of conclusions. Jonah had come to all kinds of conclusions about what type of people God can bless and what type of people God can't bless, what kind of situations God can work in, and what kind of situations God can't work in. And so God sends a great fish in order to save Jonah, both from drowning literally and from holding on to vain ideas. Ideologies. And here's what Jonah's holding on to, the vain ideology that God's mercy was his to own. Listen to how the psalmist puts it, and something we need to be reminded from time to time. He says this, the Lord is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over only those people who are nice to me. Is that what it says? No, it says his mercy is over only the good Christians that pray three times a day and sometimes after lunch. No, he says his mercy is over all that he has made. Church, sometimes God's provisions are not comfortable, but they're never meant to hurt you. That trouble that you may find yourself in right now, God's not punishing you. I'm here to tell you, he brought it into your life to change you. You may be drowning in fear and despair and depression, but I'm here to tell you it's not meant to cause you harm. It's meant to change you. God is wanting to change you to be more and more and more like Him. And Jonah's beginning to learn something about a merciful God. God wants people to look at your life. He wants people to look at you at the way you love and treat and forgive. And He wants people to look at you and say, Hey, I see how you're starting to resemble your Heavenly Father. He never means to hurt us. He brings it into our lives in order to change us. God not only answers our cries to fill us with mercy, but second thing here we find that he, he, he answers our cries in order to fill us with thanksgiving. Notice verse 9 if you're following along. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, Jonah says, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. God answers prayers in order that thanksgiving will be about His glory. Which means that those who have a spirit of thanksgiving are the best candidates for answered prayer. Listen to what Paul writes in Corinthians when he says this. He's, he's, a, he's finding himself, he's about to die, he's close to death, and he writes to the Corinthians and he says this, you must help us by prayer. You better help me, y'all. I'm about to die. You must help us by prayer so that many will give what? Give thanks. On behalf for the blessings granted us in answer to many what? To many prayers. God tells David in Psalms 50, Call out to me in the day of your trouble and I will deliver you for you to show me glory. Now, all of us pray, right? I'm assuming. But we pray sporadically, right? We pray for our food, right? We do that. Right? We don't know what the FDA approves to, you know, to put in our food. We're consistent with that one. We pray for our food. Some of us wake up in the morning, God, thank you. Your mercies are new each and every day. That's your routine, and that's good. Some of us, you know, we say our prayers right before we get a, uh, to bed at night. But how many of us put some urgency in our prayers? So I'll tell you what, there's nothing like an inside of trouble, inside of the pit kind of prayer that makes us focus on God like never before. And here's the best part. God wants to hear our cries. There is nothing that you can go through, absolutely nothing that you can go through in life that heaven will not sympathize or empathize with us about. In fact, that's why Jesus came in the flesh, so that when we cry out to him, Lord Jesus, help me, 
He won't be able to say, you know, that's a new one. I've never seen that one. No, he says, been there, done that. Let me tell you how I'm going to help you out of this situation, even if the situation seems impossible. I don't know how I got lost at the fair, but obviously I was found again. I heard my mom yelling my name, and I focused on her like never before. I ran to her. Of course she yelled at me. Of course she slapped me up. I mean, dis disciplined me upside the head like any good Cuban mom would do, but that didn't matter. It didn't matter. I went from being lost to being found. Jonah here was no longer wallowing in depression. He, he was no longer doggy paddling in confusion. He was no longer engulfed with trouble, right? He ends up praying because after praying and speaking God's word to himself and reminding himself of how powerful God is, what he does, he begins to use words like, I will. I will come out of this. I will say that you have saved me, God. I will bless you, my God. I will praise you. His perspective began to change. Church, I'm here to tell you today, I don't know what you're in, but you better pray about it. You better pray on the way in. You better pray even if you don't see a way out. You better pray even if you don't understand. And if somebody stops you and asks you for prayer, you better stop what you're doing at that moment and pray for them. Because if they could put it out of their mouth, that means there's some urgency behind their request. Because when you're lost, lost, when you're lost, lost, you need to be reminded and you need to remind people that the same God who put you there is the same God who's waiting to bring you out. My God, we need to get out of this mindset that, that, that it's an all or nothing thing when we want answers to our prayers. Sometimes God will answer our prayers in stages. And for some of us, it takes a long time to see the problem as a provision. Here's the second stage. Write this down. Prisons turn into wombs. Jonah says here in verse 2 that out of the belly of the beast he began to pray. It doesn't say that he began to pray uh, uh, before he got into the belly of the whale. It doesn't say that as soon as he saw two big eyes and a big old mouth that Jonah begins to pray. It doesn't even say that after the whale spit him out, he begins to pray. He begins to pray while in the belly of the whale. He begins to cry out. Sometimes what feels like a prison as a result of our own rebellion becomes the same place the same exact place where we experience the transformative power of our repentance. It was only when Jonah was quarantined in complete lockdown, hello, it was only when Jonah was brought to the lowest point in his life that he was able to understand, listen, that the same mercy that saves is the same mercy that enabled us to change. And we change and we grow when we grow in the knowledge of our own sinfulness and we grow in the knowledge of God's love and mercy for us. It's interesting that Jonah mentions the temple here in verse 7. See, at the temple is where you find God's mercy seat. The mercy seat was just a big old slab on top of the Ark of the Covenant where you would atone uh, uh, for sin by shedding of the blood of some, some animal, right? Forgiven by proxy. Now, we as Christians, we know what it means more so than Jonah, what salvation from the Lord means. We know this because Jesus was a sacrifice on God's cosmic mercy seat, i.e. the cross. And it was at the cross where we were forgiven for all of our sins, past, present, and future, and welcomed by God. And the more we realize the knowledge of our own sinfulness, 
And the more we realize the knowledge of God's love and God's mercy for us, the more we will be changed and the more we will become more and more like our Heavenly Father. A couple more things we learn in this stage here. This stage of, of answered prayer. First thing is there is good news. Folks, there is good news even in dark places. Notice what he says in verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I don't know if he was dying. Some scholars believe he died. I don't know, but he was not in a good position, right? When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord on the best days. Our vision isn't perfect. We go through life, like Paul says, looking through a glass darkly. It's like we go through life wearing a pair of sunglasses. Wearing a pair of sunglasses, we, we can't see, it's not clear. And this could lead us into moments of despair because the struggle in these dark moments is a struggle to keep our hope clear. Nothing wrong with our hope. There's nothing, nothing defective about Jesus here, but the perspective of the struggling heart of our hope could be darkened by anything. A friend of ours takes their life. A loved one loses their life because of COVID. That spouse that you trusted with everything abandons you. That trauma that you received has scarred you and wounded you for decades. And in these dark moments, we never make sense of it. And the closer we are to the havoc that this broken world brings, the more chaotic and the more senseless it appears. And what we find in these dark places is greater awareness that the good and evil that this world has is just too complicated for us to manage. But here's the merciful truth. God never designed and intended for us to bear it alone. He wants us to trust him with it. And therein lies the struggle. Because for some of us, sometimes the weight of our trials is so severe that it feels that we can't even keep our head above water. Sometimes the pain is so vicious. The depression is so thick. We can't even imagine that our situation will ever change. Sometimes the sun doesn't come out tomorrow. Sometimes we don't get the job we wanted. Sometimes we don't get the healing we've been praying for. Sometimes we can't articulate the hope that we have. And when we try, it just hurts more. And so we don't want to pray. And we don't want to open our eyes to see all of the darkness that's going on around us. But as dark as it may seem, we cannot miss the most obvious point that it's in this moment that while Jonah is here, he is, after all, telling this to God. And this is why this prayer is here. And by the way, all Jonah's doing is quoting a bunch of psalms. But this prayer is here. It's here because even though we're hurting and broken, no matter what, we can still come to God while being afraid of the dark, knowing this, that God is greater than our darkness. Jesus cried out to the Father. He cried out to the Father in his darkest moment. Dad, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? But what the Father did through his silence on judging sin on the body of his son was his greatest work. It's in these dark places, like an embryo, right, that we start to grow inside of the womb. We got trimesters 
going, got to be careful. We can't pull that baby out too soon, right? If Jonah brought out, or if God brought Jonah out too soon, Jonah never would have felt the full weight of his disobedience and deliverance. And so it's in these seasons where our problems may appear extreme and severe and exhausting. Know what they really are. What they really are is the work of God in your life. Listen to what Isaiah says when he says this. I will give you the treasures of darkness. You better underline that. Study it this week. There's a lot of truth there. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes and secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. Folks, if you're feeling like you're being buried and forgotten, I'm here to tell you God has not forgotten you. If you're feeling like you're drowning, that God has isolated you in some dark abyss, like Jonah, you're feeling like a dead man, I'm here to tell you God has not forgotten you. God is at work in the dark places of your life. And you know what he's doing? I'll tell you what he's doing. He is forming you. He is fitting you so that you can bear witness to more fruitful service of God's mercy when you get out. God is not only interested in giving us good news in dark places, but secondly, there are comfort zones even in obedience, and I'm about to mess everybody up right now. Notice in verse 10, he says this, and the Lord spoke to the fish. Sometimes we just need God to speak into our situation, but that's another sermon for another day. The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Three days and three nights, Probably he's got nothing to do with the speed of the whale. It's probably got everything to do with how much time Jonah needed to empty his sinful heart of all of his sin. You see, Jonah had built for himself comfort zones, comfort zones of personal obedience. In other words, there were places in his life that he was obedient, but it's in those places that God hadn't yet tested Jonah. And so God pursues him in order to break through the boundaries of personal obedience where Jonah was comfortable and demanded from him an obedience and a service which made Jonah feel uncomfortable. And here's why this matters. Here's why this is important, right? Jonah starts to realize that there are hidden layers in his life, hidden layers of resistance to what God wanted him to do. And instead of responding proactively and obediently to new depths of obedience of which God was calling him to do and calling him, Jonah resisted and Jonah refused. And here's why this matters, church, in our life. When we say to God, God, I'm willing to go where you send me. Just don't send me there. I, I, I can feed the homeless. I can comfort the widow. I can, he, I can provide comfort to the brokenhearted. I can even be a foster parent, I don't know, and, and, and provide and be a parent to those who are fatherless. But I don't want to minister to the enraged. I don't want to minister to those people who are stealing from me and rioting and causing all kinds of havoc. I don't want, don't send me there. God, I can go up to this point, but I can go no further. If that's you today, watch this. It isn't just those areas where we refuse that our life begins to spiritually fall apart. It's everywhere in our life that begins to fall apart, not only in the new areas of obedience where God is calling us, 
but also in the very places where we thought we were altogether obedient. You see, Jonah finds himself in this moment of crisis, unable to do what we all assume he was able to do. Do what? Preach the gospel. Jonah, who was a confident person, a confident prophet in God's mercy to God's people, couldn't even answer the question that we heard last week that some sailors asked him, hey, what do you, what do, you do for a living? I'm a, I'm a Hebrew. I don't know who I am anymore. He didn't know who he was. Disobedience begins to spread. It begins to spread, not just here or there. It begins to spread until your, the entirety of your whole life is consumed by it. And for Jonah... As for us, we go through these stages. We run from God. We run to God. We go from being lost, lost, (laughs) to being found. We go through these trimesters of development and growth in all these stages. But here's this one constant truth. No matter what stage you're in, God is always there. He's there when you decide to jump ship. He's there when you're in the storm and you're drowning. He's there when he's ready to spit you up where you, where you need to be on dry land when you come out of your prison, I mean womb, to deliver you to new forms of obedience. Let me ask you something, church. Where might God be calling you today to follow in new ways of obedience? And are we refusing? Are we refusing God because we've grown comfortable? We've grown so comfortable in our own boundaries of personal obedience. God had to pursue his man. He had to break through his comfortability. He had to deal with his disobedience in order to awaken his servant. Church, we need to pray. We need to pray that some measure of this becomes visible Not only in our life personally, but in our life corporately. And then, and then Nineveh will hear us. And then Nineveh will repent. Church, would you pray for me? Heavenly Father, we confess. And we pray together the extent that we see ourselves in Jonah and Jonah in ourselves. We ask that you revive us, we pray. Have mercy on us and awaken us and renew us, we pray, with a heart of obedience, a heart that says the vows that we make to Jesus Christ, we will make good. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. I pray that God spoke to you. I pray that he encouraged you, that he challenged you. I pray that there was a fire reignited in your heart uh, tonight by God's word and through worship and through coming to the table of of communion as well. And I want to invite you to do a few things before we kind of go off and prepare for our week as we close out this weekend. And that is, I want to invite you to fill out our Connect card. So if you are new, this is a great opportunity to plug in. And even if you have been joining us online or if you previously joined us before this COVID era in March, It's still great to fill out the connect card because there's a lot of different things that you can notify us that you're interested in joining or being a part of. We have a lot of opportunities actually to even volunteer right now. So on our creative team, our tech team, our social media team, 
there's all types of things that we need help with. As we begin to prepare and to pray about when we're gonna reopen, we need a hospitality team, we need a cleaning team, we need a lot of people that can help in different aspects. And so if you wanna volunteer, if you wanna to connect to a small group, if you just wanna ask some questions about the church, would you fill out that connect card that's being posted in the chat right now as well as in the description? And then lastly, uh, will you also notify us and let us know in that connect card if you have either prayed to receive Christ or if you have kind of had your faith reignited, if you feel like as if you're coming back to God afresh. You know, I know it's been a difficult season, this pandemic and everything that our country is going through and there's so much. And I think God is, is actually creating spiritual unrest in our country and that's a good thing because it's probing us to ask questions. It's probing us to come back to, to God at the heart of the Father who loves you and loves me so much. And so if that's you and you are either interested in coming to pray to receive Christ for the first time or to reconnect in your faith, let us know by filling out that connect card or you can always direct message us on Instagram or on Facebook. I want to leave you with one last big encouragement, and that is to download our app. If you have not done so already, will you download it, go to your Android app store or your iPhone app store, type in Crossbridge Church app, and uh, just click download. It's awesome. It's fire. It's 100. It's any emoji that you could possibly imagine. Why, in fact, why don't we throw some emojis in the chat? What are some emojis that those of you that have downloaded it? I think there's been 130 so far which is awesome, Give it. let us know what emoji would you connect to the app, but it's awesome. You can follow up on sermons, you can join small groups, you can set a prayer clock to remind you that we have live prayer on Instagram every Monday and Wednesday at 1230. You can submit prayer requests. There's so many great things. And so download our app. We would love to uh, connect with you that way as well. I wanna close by giving you a benediction, a good word for you to hold on to this week as you uh, go forward and continue to navigate the storm that we are in uh, as we navigate it together. And I've been kind of reading through scripture this week and thinking, what is, what's the verse that I feel like, God, you're, you're calling me to, to give and to hand as a sense of encouragement and hope uh, for your people this week. And I kept coming back to just one statement that we see in the book of Psalms and we see all throughout scripture. And that's going to be the benediction that I hope that you receive and you take with you this week. And it's this. Great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your faithfulness. I pray that this week, you, amidst everything that you may be going through, the anxiety, the fear, the difficulty in relationships, the uncertainty in work, the health concerns, whatever it may be, even if you have a great week, would you remind yourself each and every day that God, you are faithful and your faithfulness is great. So I pray that you would take that with you, church, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'll see you next Sunday at 5 p.m. here on YouTube.